Church, good morning and Merry Christmas. Wow, can you believe we're 10 days out from Christmas? It is coming quick and it doesn't feel like it, does it? It feels like we're California Christmas or Texas Christmas, but uh, it is Christmas and it is here and it is one of my favorite seasons because Christ has come and our lives will never be the same, right? Christ has come for you and for me and we have a God of love and of grace and of mercy. Well, welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called The Sounds of of Christmas, and there's just some sounds that are unique to this season, right? And whether it's hearing the bell being rung by the Salvation Army, and, and you just think about generosity, and you think about collecting for those in need, and you're just like, oh yeah, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. Or you hear that ho, ho, ho of jolly old Saint Nick, and you think about the laughter and the joy that comes with the season of being with family, being with friends, and just saying, ah, oh, there's joy, joy in this season. Or, or whether it's the carols being sung, I love Christmas carols. I love going to the mall and hearing Christmas carols. I love being in, in different places and you're just hearing this deep, rich theology and doctrine that Christ has come, that Jesus is here, the sounds of Christmas. But there's some other sounds that just make the season, right? There's some other sounds that really just say this is what Christmas is. And we saw the first week, it's the sound of a cry. Now, that's something you would expect, right? When God breaks into the world, you would think, trumpet blast, you would think victory dance, you know, you would think, you know, a stallion, but, but what you hear is a cry, a baby. And 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament is broken by a cry. A God who comes near, a God who comes to us, a God who meets us in our sin, in our brokenness, in our total depravity, and a God who says, you are special to me, and I love you, a cry. Last week we saw the sound of laughter. In the proclamation that the angels brought, I bring you good news of great joy, of great joy that will be for all the people. Joy, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And laughter is the sweet emotion of our soul. When we're in relationship with God, when we're in relationship with people that we love, it just comes out of us. And today, the sound of love. Now what does love sound like? You ever thought about that? If you were trying to put a sound to it, what would you say? What, what does love sound like? Well, it's kind of hard for us because in our culture, you know, we throw the word love around so freely, don't we? We say, you know, well, I love pizza and I love my wife. Really? You know, I mean, you know well, I love baseball and I love my kids. You're like, okay, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard for us because we have this whole plethora of ideas about love. And, and what is love? The ancient Greeks had four different words for love. They had four different words. The first word that they had was philo. Philo is this brotherly love, right? Man, I love you, I'm there for you, I care about you, you know, I'm there. If Philo is used in the Bible, it's this, it's this brotherly connection kind of love. It's where we get the city of Philadelphia, right? Philo, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So you see that. The second word that the Greeks had was eros. Eros is more of this sensual kind of love. Now we have that love in our society a lot, don't we? I mean, this is eros, that's where we get the word erotic, erotic, but that word's not used in scripture, but that was a word that the Greeks would use. And then the third word that they used for love was this, storge. And storge is more this affection, you know. Storge is like, you know, well, man, I love football. I love my dog. I love art. You know, it's just kind of this general, I love, I have an affection, a deep affection. But the fourth word that the Greeks would use, the ancient Greeks, for love was this, agape. Agape. 
An agape kind of love would mean this. I'm there for you. I care about you. It is an unconditional, selfless love. So much of our love is conditional, isn't it? You do this, and I will love you. You perform, and I will love you. But there is an agape love that says, I'm going to love you regardless. And that's the love that we see and we hear at Christmas. If you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. First book, New Testament, as we unpack this amazing chapter of the Bible talking about the birth of Christ. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, maybe you have a mobile device. And you can access the scriptures online and follow along with us as well. But we're Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1. Now the first week we looked at the first 17 verses. And we saw how God has been writing a story, a story of redemption. And you go back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And the whole Old Testament is building up and coming to fruition in the birth of Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah has come. And so where all the Old Testament and all of history was building up to this point... All of us look back. The defining point in history, the birth of Christ, the split history in two, B.C. and A.D., everything comes here, right here. Last week we saw verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Before they came together, she was found to be with child. And what you see here, the divinity of Christ, fully God, and yet the humanity of Christ, fully man. Then when Jesus was born, he didn't have original sin. If you go back to verse 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, God, the father. Jesus didn't have original sin. Jesus, fully God. Therefore, when he conquered death on the cross, with the resurrection made us a way for us to spend eternity with God, the divinity of Christ, but also the humanity of Christ that we see in the incarnation. That Jesus, born of a woman, that he can identify with what we go through. He can identify with our struggles. He can identify with what it means to be lonely. He can identify with what it means when people turn their back on you and walk away. He can identify with those emotions that we have. And yet Jesus never sinned. And he came to bring hope and peace and comfort to us. And today we're going to look at verse 19 through 21. So pick up verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. And did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. The name literally means salvation, right? You're to name him salvation. (laughs) Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, for us to really understand this passage, we have to know about the Jewish covenant of marriage. Uh, It's different, the whole dating relationship, it's different than our kind of Western mindset. And so sometimes it's confusing, because you read through and it says, you know, well, they were pledged to be married, and then Joseph didn't want to divorce her, and you know, it's like, well, I I don't know, I don't don't understand, I don't get that. Let me just kind of go over this. First of all, back in this time, they had arranged marriages. So they had to have arranged marriages. So the parents would get together at young ages, and they would say, hey, you know, I kind of like him, you know, I like her. And so they, they would kind of put them together. Now, being the dad of three little girls, I'm all for bringing arranged marriages back. I got to tell you, <laughs> I've been checking out some of your sons, and, you know, like, you know, like, you, know you guys would be perfect together. You'd be perfect. And, and what's interesting is they would say that marriage is too big of a step to be left to the passions of the heart. 
I thought, wow. So, you know, they said, you know what, we're going to arrange this marriage. Now, they also had back in this time, it wasn't just the parents. There were professional matchmakers. And so, like, a village would have a professional matchmaker. Some of you would be great at that, you know. <laughs> they would do that. They were looking out the whole time. So they had these arranged marriages. Then, as the girl grew up and the boy grew up, they had an opportunity to meet. So the girls would get married young. The boys were a little bit older. But girls at, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, they would have a chance to meet. Now, when they met, they would have the opportunity there to say, no way. You know, <laughs> mom and dad, I don't know what you were thinking, but not going to happen, you know. So they could say no. They had that opportunity there. But if they said yes, they entered into this pledgeship, kind of like our engagement. They were pledged to be married. And then it was legally binding. They didn't consummate the marriage, but they were legally married. They were called husband and wife. And so the only way you could break that was through a divorce. Now that's where we see Mary and Joseph. They are pledged to be married. They're pledged to be married. Then at some point, right, at some point the marriage would happen. And the husband would go off for about a year during this engagement time or this pledge time, and he would get a house ready, or he would have a, a job that he had, a career that he's kind of getting built. And then after about a year, he would come back for his bride. And she didn't know exactly when he was coming. And so, you know, when Jesus tells parables like, keep your lamps trimmed and burning, because you don't know, you know, and Jesus is taking a reference here to marriage. He's making a reference here to the second coming. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, but the husband would come and he would sweep his bride off her feet. And for us to be ready because Christ is coming back. And then there would be a reception that would follow. And a lot of times it would last like two weeks. People were coming all over and bringing gifts. And it was just a great celebration. And one day, right, when Christ comes back for his church, there's going to be a great wedding feast. The wedding feast of the Lamb. And it will last for all of eternity. And so you see this here in this relationship of marriage. But what's interesting to me is when God was choosing, when God was choosing an earthly dad for his son, he chose this guy, Joseph. And you think, why did he choose Joseph? I mean, Joseph wasn't like, you know, super religious. He didn't, you know, he wasn't part of the Sanhedrin. He wasn't a part of the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He, he, he was a kind of an ordinary guy. Now, he was a Jew. He loved the Lord. He knew the Old Testament. He was in church. He was faithful, but he wasn't super rich. You know, you would kind of think, man, you would, you know, pick somebody who was like super rich, could take care of him. He wasn't super well connected. It wasn't like he was great friends with all the religious leaders or all the Jewish leaders or all the Romans, you know. And, you know, he wasn't. But you know what it was about Joseph? The God loved well. The God loved well. I want you to see four things. Number one, this, I want you to see his love for God. Verse 19, it says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. That word righteous, that word's used for this relationship with the Lord. It means, you know, hey, I'm in a right relationship. I, I love God. I love God. Jesus later on was asked in Matthew chapter 22, he was asked, he says, what is the greatest commandment? Out of the 613 laws in the Old Testament, if you were to go through here, Jesus, and look at all of these laws that were given, what is the greatest of them all? And how did Jesus respond? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, the overarching goal of your life, the overarching goal of my life is this. It's to live a life of love. And Jesus says it starts here. It starts with this relationship of loving God. Every day when you get up, every day when you get up, it doesn't matter if you get anything else done on your to-do list. If you fall more in love with God, you've had a successful day. 
And Joseph, man, he was a guy who loved God. St. Augustine, he prayed this. He said, God, you have made us for yourself. That's why you were created. You were created for a relationship with God. You have made us for yourself, St. Augustine said. And our hearts are restless until they find the rest in you. And isn't that so true? Our hearts are restless. We're trying to all these other things until we find our rest in God. Tim Keller wrote this. He says, quite simply, if you love anything at all in this world more than God, you will crush that object under the weight of your expectations. And it will eventually break your heart. For example, if you love your spouse and his or her love of you is more important to you than God's love, then you will get far too angry or despondent when your spouse is failing to give you the support and affection you need. And you'll be too afraid of your spouse's anger or displeasure to tell them the truth. Only if God's love is the most important thing to you will you have the freedom to love your spouse well. I go, wow. St. Augustine also talked about disordered loves. How we can love a lot of different things, but if we get them out of order, right? If we love our career more than we love our family, if we love our career or we love more than we love God, if we love somebody more than we love God, it just gets out of proportion in our life. In this call to live in our relationship with God. And as we grow in our love for God, it impacts every other area of our life. It impacts everything else. Joseph was a man who loved God. Secondly, we see this, this is Joseph loved his wife. Joseph loved his wife. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You know, when Mary comes and says, Joe, I'm pregnant, and Joe's like, what? You know, like, excuse me? No, it's the Holy Spirit. And he's like, yeah, right. You know, I mean, he's, he's grappling with this because he loves her. Now, back then, the, the right thing to do, right, the righteous thing to do, the Pharisees were all about righteous and back then, if you committed adultery, you were taken out in front of the entire village and stoned to death. It was just like, you know, and, and, and yet Joseph's like, no, 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 I care about Mary. I don't understand this. I don't know how it happened, but I, I care about her. I love her. Love. See, the, the Pharisees were all about right. They, you know, they wanted to be right here with God, but, but they didn't have love God in the second is like it, love others love you always temper justice with mercy there's always this balance there that you hold as you love people a, a lot of times we don't understand this but see love is a commitment right and in our vernacular today we kind of talk about well i fell in love you know like it just kind of happened i'm walking along and i just went in a ditch you know i just i just fell i just fell in love you know it, it's like no 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 wait a minute love is a commitment Love is a commitment that you make to your spouse, to your kids, to your friends, to your church. Love is a commitment. It's not just an emotion. Now, it elicits in us the deepest of emotions. It elicits in us this passion. But love is a commitment. I'm going to be there. I care about you. Ephesians chapter 5, it says this, Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know what words used there? What Greek word? Agape. Husbands, agape your wives. And wives, agape your husbands. Agape your kids. Your parents. Your friends. This rich, deep, self-sacrificing love. 
Joseph, man, I think what God was looking, so there's a lot of successful people out there, there's a lot of things, but, but here's a guy who's going to love. Here's a guy who's going to stand by Mary. He may not get it, he may not understand it, but he's going to stick by her. I might choose him. You know, if, if you're a dad here or a granddad, you have a huge calling in your life. Huge. A, a, a dad back then, you know, they were to teach a trade, but they were also the spiritual leader in the home. And for you and I, man, just to understand the gravity of this call that God's placed on our lives, to love well. And Joseph also loved others. <laughs> he, he, he loved others. It, it says in verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joe, I've got big plans for you. Now, Joe could have easily said, but, but God, you don't understand. I've got big plans for me. You know, I've got this whole carpentry business. I've kind of opened up a shop in Nazareth. I'm thinking about franchising it. There's other villages around. I've got, kind of got this whole business plan worked out, you know. And, and I've been working on the house, and I've got this house we're building. It's going to have a white picket fence. We're going to have 2.5 kids. We've got a dog. You know, I've got the whole thing mapped out, God. And God's like, oh, oh, oh Joe, 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 listen, I've got something bigger. I've got something bigger. See, see, do you love people enough to sacrifice your own plans? Do you, do you love people enough? And Joe would have never expected he was going to be in Bethlehem, going to be in a stable, you know, having a baby. He didn't expect, hey, I'm going to go to Egypt for two years. I mean, like, if you keep going and reading, you know, they end up in Egypt for two years. But do you think Joe ever regretted it for a moment? No way. Because he knew God bringing the Messiah, God bringing salvation for the world, God doing something bigger than me. God allowing me to be a part of his story. Love means we must be willing to be interrupted. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're going to be going along in your life and God's going to call you. There's a need, meet it. There's somebody who needs love, love them. There's somebody who needs hope, give them hope. There's somebody who needs something, be generous. Sacrifice, live a life of love. And you'll never regret it. I don't think you ever regret anything that you give, do you? When you give, man, you just see God come alive. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. When you start to love other people like God has called you to, you just want to give. And here's the fourth thing that I think we see from Joseph is he loved himself. And we don't talk about that a whole lot. But it says in verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, right? Because he will save his people from their sins. And before Joseph could go and share Christ with the rest of the world, Christ had to come into his own heart and his own life. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. As you love yourself. And what I found with a lot of people is they don't love themselves. Now this isn't in a narcissistic kind of way, right? You know, it's all about me. This is in a healthy way. This is in, I'm in love that there's a God who loves me. And that gives me confidence to live. That gives me confidence. I don't think the problem a lot of times is that we don't love God. I think the problem a lot of times is that we don't realize how much God really loves us. And we live our lives sheepishly instead of living our lives boldly. But when we understand what God has done for us, and we understand what God has said about us, that you are a son or a daughter of the king, that God says, I don't want to spend eternity without you. I'm giving 
my son for you. Boy, it should change everything in us. And Joe, as they went along, I'm sure Joe's going, man, I, God, you, why'd you pick me? I have no idea. I don't know how I'm going to take care of the Messiah. And he's thinking all this. But there had to just come this confidence. God is with me. God chose me. God is for me. And I don't have all the answers, but I know this, that God is here. Whenever you get on a plane, you, you, you ever listen to the, to the whole safety speech? You know, the flight attendant gets up there, they give the speech, and they do such a great job so many times, but we're always busy looking around. But what do they say? They say this. In the event of a loss of cabin pressure, plastic masks will fall from the ceiling. Take the mask and place it over your nose and mouth. If you're traveling with a small child, then place the mask over the nose and mouth of the small child. The bag may not inflate, but you will be receiving oxygen. You're right, that, that whole deal, you know what I'm saying? So they go through that whole thing. And a lot of times you're thinking, What? If you're a parent, you're going, no, 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 that's so counterintuitive. If plastic masks come, I'm taking care of my kid. I'm going to make sure that they're okay. They're like, no, 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 no. You take the plastic mask and put it over your nose and mouth first. Why? Because if you're passed out, you're not going to be any help. And I think what can happen a lot of times, especially during this season of Christmas, is we can run ourselves so ragged that we're not allowed to help. We just spend ourselves doing so many other things that we're exhausted for those who need us most. And maybe over Christmas is a time for renewal and refreshment. Maybe over Christmas is a time and over the holidays is a time for you to take a nap. It's okay to lay down and just say, I need to be renewed. I need to be refreshed. You see, Joe, Joe was a guy who could hear from the angel. He could hear from the angel. And a lot of times we don't stop long enough to be able to even hear from God. In our lives, we've got to be healthy, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I think Joe was a guy who was strong enough and solid enough. And when God was looking for a man, God said, Joe, you're a man who loves well. You're a man who loves well. Now, why is this? Because you see, Christianity it's different than every other major religion because of this one word, love. Love. Do you know there's a lot of major world religions that don't even have the word love in them? But Christianity is all about love. God loving us and our call to then love others. It says in 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, and we read these words that the Apostle John wrote, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The whole reason that there's love even in the world is because God is love. That's the whole reason love exists. And then listen to this verse. It's so perfect for Christmas, right? Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You know what word is used there in the Greek for love? Agape. Agape. Love. You are loved by a God who would send his son. And the call in your life then is to be a person of love. See, the opposite of love is not hate. 
A lot of times we think the opposite of love is hate. <laughs> but the opposite of love is apathy. I don't care. I don't care. I don't have time for you, and I don't care. But this call in your life to love. And Jesus was born into a world of hate. Listen, Jesus was born into a world, I mean, the Jews, they hated the Romans, you know, they hated the, you know, the Gentiles, they hated the Samaritans, the Samaritans hated the Jews, and the Romans hated the Jews. And Jesus is born in this world of hate. But in the divinity, he's fully God, a fully love. But in the humanity, God said, I want somebody to teach my son to love. Joseph, you're the one. If you're a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, you have a call to teach and to model love. And in a world of desperate need, and in a world of fear, and in a world of insecurity, there is a God who has entrusted you with this message of love. You know how you spell love? T-I-M-E. Time. You spell love, time. You spell love by being invested in somebody else's life. I want you to watch this video. This was done by Ikea. Ikea in Spain. And so it's in Spanish, so some of you are going to get it right off the bat. But there are subtitles, though, so for us who don't speak Spanish. But I want you to read it because I think this is so powerful. They went through and they asked kids to write a letter to the three kings. Now, in Spain, that's kind of our equivalent to Santa. And what do you want? What do you want the three kings? What do you want Santa to bring you? And here's a list. Then they asked the, the kids to write a letter to their parents. And then they asked the kids... Which letter do you want to send? Watch this. Bueno, vamos a escribir la carta a los Reyes Magos. ¿Sabéis ya lo que vais a pedir? Sí. Sí. Sí, este año me portado muy han escrito una carta a los Reyes Magos y esta para vosotros. Queridos papás, quiero que estés más tiempo conmigo, que hagamos más experimentos en casa. Me gustaría que nos hagáis un poco más de caso. Me gustaría que cenarais más con nosotros. Quiero que me hagáis cosquillas. Y que les leamos un cuento. Quiero que estemos un día juntos. No puedo. Quiero jugar, mamá. Que juegues conmigo, vaqueros. Quiero jugar más al fútbol conmigo. ¿Os sorprende que os pidan esto para Navidad? Pues no, la verdad es que no nos sorprende. A mí no. Tienen demasiados juguetes mm. siempre. El sentimiento de tratar de... Sustituir. Sustituir. Pues llenarles ese pequeño vacío con un juguete que les... Pasar el, todo el tiempo que tenemos al máximo con nuestros hijos. Pensar que tú quieres darles todo lo mejor y lo mejor es, eres tú. Si lo está escribiendo es porque lo necesita, ¿no? 
Si solo pudieras enviar una de las dos cartas, ¿cuál enviarías? ¿La de los Reyes Magos o la de papá y mamá? Uy, es una pregunta muy difícil. La de mamá. La de mis padres, papá y mamá. You know, I love when that mom just said, you spend so much time trying to pick the best present, and the best present is yourself. <laughs> God, I just like, wow, that we wouldn't get so busy this season with everything that's going on that we miss what Christmas is about. And it's about love. It's about love. The love that God has for us and the love that we're called to have for those around us. Don't miss it. Please don't miss it. <laughs> What is the sound of love? I think it's a kiss. I think it's a hug. I think it's just those times of being together. I think it's the sound of thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not leaving me. Don't you know that there were times that Mary, just in the stable, holding this baby, just leans over and goes, Joe, thank you. Thank you for not running away. Thank you for sticking by me. And my fear, my insecurity, thank you. Have you said those words lately? You know what the sound of love is? I think it's literally saying, I love you. Those words aren't implied. They gotta be said over and over and over again. It's not just, well, I told her on our wedding day. No, it's that I'm telling her every day. And I'm telling him every day. And I'm telling them every day. And I'm telling the people around me every day, I love you. I love you. Some of you grew up in an era where people didn't say that. And you've always longed to hear your dad or your grandparents say that to you. And you carry around something missing in your heart because you never heard those words. Those words were never spoken in the darkness of your soul or in the fear of the insecurity. Please, don't be like that. Have the freedom to speak it and to live it. Say I love you and live a life of love this Christmas. Because Christmas is God saying loud and clear. Christmas is God saying loud and clear I love you you are mine maybe today is a day of salvation maybe you've always thought about God just being a God of judgment and fear and that he's mad at you all the time no listen Christmas shows us that there is a God of love maybe today is a day of renewal and you see that video you just think whoa I've gotten caught up in all of it, right? The lights and the package and the stuff. And what people want is just me to love them and to be present. I don't know where you are today. But I don't want you to miss that Christmas is about love. Can we bow your head and close your eyes just for a second, right where you are? This Christmas... <laughs> Is it about love for you? 
Maybe it's been about a lot of other things. And you already feel this pressure 10 days out. I got to get so much done. But today, right where you sit, we just make a commitment. God, don't let me miss it. God, let me fall more in love with you. Let me hear from your Holy Spirit, from your still, small voice. Maybe today is just to say, God, I want love in my marriage. I want love. I want love in our home. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God is here. And the still small voice you hear speaking to you is, it's not me or anything else. It's the Holy Spirit. And God is drawing you to himself and inviting you into a lifelong relationship. God loves you with an agape love, an unconditional you don't have to prove yourself for God. He loves you. Find your worth and your value in that truth. Find your worth and your value in God's love today. So, Father, we thank you that you're a God of love. We thank you that at Christmas, love came down to us. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of our brokenness, God, you came to us. And I pray today, Father, that our lives would be transformed by your love. That we would be people who love well. Jesus, you said, by this all men will know you're my disciples if you love. So God, open our eyes to the needs around us. In our home in our neighborhood, in our workplace, and in the world. And let us be people who love. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray and commit our lives to you. Amen.